and welcome to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer medium. My name is Luke Smith. And my name is Sebastian. And uh, we are excited. We have quite a few uh, Canadian stories, which is not always the case. Uh, there is mm-hmm. a, a a sad uh, lack of uh, Canadian queer media in Canada, which is uh, very unfortunate. I, I but... mean, you could also say no news is good news. You know, the fact that there's not much going on also means there's not much going on. You know, like it's... That the, the, you, you could take the black pill or the white pill on this issue. And I, I think, you know, the, the fact that we don't really have much to talk about in Canada, that's a that's that's two thumbs up for me. I, I think things continue to happen. Yes. But whether or not <laughs> anyone is there to bear witness and true, uh, true, true, share yeah. about it is really the, the, the question. So I'm trying to look into the Institute for Catholic Education. Okay. Which is not something I often find myself doing. Mm-hmm. Um, no one I imagine anyone is particularly uh, a, f- a frequent flyer in the Institute for Catholic of Educa- Catholic Education uh, web pages. But I'm sure it, Catholic educators would be very interested in that web. This is true. This is true. Yeah. They may they have maybe a bit of a niche. Yeah. <laughs> a niche. Yeah. Uh, audience there so the news kind of bubbled up to our attention and i think it mainly caught the the attention of american uh writers uh, Mm -hmm. because of course there is so much content in uh in can in in the united states about banning certain books and Mm -hmm. progressive policies in terms of education and so forth that any glimmering uh, good news uh really stands out even if that good news is coming all the way from canada so essentially last week uh the catholic news agency has reported on the decision by the publisher Pearson Canada uh, to drop the curriculum fully alive from its offerings. It confused me as a news newcomer to Canada. I was like, why is there a whole separate Catholic school board? And there's sometimes they're French, sometimes they're English. Mm-hmm. Um, where does the tax money go? How are they able to get away with certain things and take tax money? Um, you know, it's it, it was uh it was a lot of questions. Sebastian, I know you've uh, you could probably quickly summarize the uh the school board. Oh, it made sense in the nineteen thirties. Very yeah. quickly, very quickly. What made sense in the thirties that maybe uh, leaves us where we are uh, now. for historical reasons we needed a separate a uh, french language school board and uh, at the time there weren't enough people to run a french language school board so the nuns took it over so the catholic school board of ontario was originally the french school board of ontario but all that became moot in the 90s where as of then we now have a secular french school board in ontario so there's now a french english and secular and Catholic school boards. That's four in total. So English, secular, English, Catholic, French, Catholic, French, secular, which is too many school boards in Ontario. Like there's there's four of them in total and they're separate from each other. It's ridiculous. That's where we're at. We have a Catholic school board system. And yeah. uh, one of the things, according to the Assembly of Catholic Bishops of Ontario, this mm-hmm. is a bit of a bit of a talk to According to the Assembly of Catholic Bishops of Ontario, uh, about 20% of the religious education program refers to the fully alive document. Now it has been panned as broadly uh, homophobic, 
the however, fully alive document what do you mean by that fully alive is the family life education program i uh, see yeah. it got updated okay. in 2006 and 2012 um it was first published in 88 that gives you a sense of uh, where it is. The Assembly of Catholic Bishops calls it, and I I, I uh, will describe it here, family life education, as it is represented in Fully Alive, is mm-hmm. intended to pass on a distinctively Catholic view of human life, sexuality, mm-hmm. marriage, and family. Its goal is to complement the effort of families and to support what parents are doing at home. The entire program from grades one through eight is designed to encourage children to become the people God wants them to be, to be fully alive. Mm-hmm. Hence the hence the name of the recording, uh, name of the, the the project. Sorry, there's there's certain people have criticized it for quite a while. I think uh, Instinct magazine quotes one here as saying uh, it has sexualized notions of self that adhere to the Catholic faith but are at odds with the reality of science and nature. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. it fosters an experience of loneliness uh, in particular for queer kids in uh, various spaces. It seems like this is only really generating any kind of buzz with Catholic school board educators. <laughs> like mm-hmm. those are the only people talking about it. Now, my I have multiple siblings that went through the Catholic school board. It reminds me of... Uh, what do you call it? It's like those things like blinders on horses. Okay, yeah. And called... rose tinted. They're called blinders. They're called blinders. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it reminds me of. It reminds me of blinders and rose tinted, but instead of rose tinted, it's sort of Vatican tinted glasses. Like it's a it's a perception, or it's trying to craft yeah. a perception of sexuality and uh, life in general um, that is uniquely and distinctly Catholic. But what I think a lot of people are complaining uh, about is that the rest of the world isn't Catholic. Well, not, I mean, it is the world's largest religion um, with the most people, I should say. And I don't really blame a Catholic for trying to view the world through Catholic eyes because like a non-Catholic textbook would be seeing the world through, you know, Canadian liberal democratic eyes. So, I mean, you could say that everything is a bias and there's no non-bias and like, what is the truth and uh, all that crap. But anyway, beyond that, that's fine. But if it's so egregious that anyone with two eyes can see that there's something wrong with it and inaccurate and you just go out your front door and you're like, that's not what I see in the world. You got issues with that. You know, the, the classic... Um, uh, one of the big things about evolution, for example, was, uh, it wasn't even about evolution itself as a biology thing. It was, you know, why does the earth come in strata? Why are there like dark lines and then light lines and then clay lines and then chalk lines? Like, what is that? And the only explanation they could have was, you know, that, that sediment comes down over time and different kinds of sediment. That's where you get your different strata. Well, that would imply that the world changes, which means that the world is not exactly like how God created it. Da, 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 da. So it was actually geology was one of the, the big wrestling points. And it was just people could go out their front door and be like, why are there bones inside of rocks? You know, it was just little things like that. People could see with their eyes that there was something that there wasn't going on. And you can still talk about your value as a person from the perspective of a Catholic. But the moment you say, no, 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 there are no bones inside of rocks. You're losing a few a few members of your audience, you know. Um, and as for the Catholic educators, I mean, it, it, I'm kind of there, there's two different things to bear in mind here. On the one hand, of course, um, if even the Catholic educators have a problem with how Catholic this Catholic textbook is, you, you, you may have over Catholic. 
And then there are there are non-Catholics there who might disagree with that. So I mean, it's eh, the whole thing is it's a mess. But yeah, if it's so Catholic that even the Catholics think it's too Catholic, you got you got an issue. You got a Catholic problem there. Um, yeah. Well, let's be let's be clear here. Apparently, I, I was looking at the uh, the oh my god, it's called Ice, which is never a good name. Um, the the Ice hmm, Witch, the Institute for Catholic Education. There we go. It was oh, called Ice, okay. which is never a good name, is what I said. <laughs> so I really want to. They are less than impressed that Pearson, the major publishing firm, uh, has decided to stop publishing mm-hmm. it. Um, in all fairness, Pearson, the publishing firm, has has previously mm-hmm. provided mm-hmm. Uh, and, and makes available uh, an alternative developed with the Catholic bishops of Ontario mm-hmm. called the Growing in Faith, Growing okay, okay. in Christ. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's in Alberta, it's in Saskatchewan, it's in the Northwest Territories. Um, I mean, it's worth remembering that the bishops don't control the schools. And I think that's something that's important to, uh, to remember. I think they control or they have, they have authority over the specifically the, the Catholic bits, Um, (laughs) the, the, the broad education, the math and science, you know, those are, those are democratically elected school boards by Catholic communities. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it was actually one of the trustees in Toronto that rang the alarm bell um, and filed a complaint with Pearson, the textbook uh, editor. Um, well, we'll keep an eye on it. Fair enough. Okay, so the next uh, story I wanted to talk about was uh, John Patterson, who I'm sure our listeners are uh, aware of, has been planning to come to Ottawa on his 27 uh, city speaking tour. Now, Jordan Patterson is mm-hmm. probably going to have a less than friendly welcome from uh, former city councillor Kathy McKinney, um, who he called an appalling, self-righteous, moralizing thing. Um, mm-hmm. And definitely will have a less than pleasant welcome from uh, trans activists in the area, having previously referred to Elliot Page's physician as a criminal physician tweets that actually landed him in with a review with the as uh, the the governing body for psychiatrists mm-hmm. so you know he's definitely prone to saying things which are considered um controversial yeah controversial absolutely yeah, yeah. you know openly opposed uh, the bill that added gender identity, gender expression to the Canadian Human Rights Code, claiming mm-hmm. that it would lead to people being, uh, you know, um, I'm not sure if the wording was persecuted, but definitely, uh, you know, it would, for folks refusing to use the genders assigned, uh, there would be dire consequences. Well, it's been in the legislation for a number of years, and uh, the consequences have been pretty, pretty minimal. Um, it just mm. hasn't panned out, you know, and we talked about it at the time, you know, this frenzy over, oh, my gosh, you know, if my religious belief is not to call them, you know, he, him or they, them, what on earth mm-hmm. do we call them? And we were discussing the fact that their name is always an option mm-hmm. um, if you prefer not to use gender pronouns. All of this is to say, uh, Jordan Payson, um, you know, University of Toronto uh, professor, um, definitely controversial and folks in Ottawa, about 30 LGBT organizations and a boating 
organization, I believe. A boating uh, organization. Yeah, yeah. It would just it stood out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if the the citizen was just like like it jumps off the page. Like it was it was strange that it was that they had okay all of these okay. organizations, you know, the usual the usual uh queer community uh organizers in uh the city of Ottawa, yeah. but then just like a random organization that made very little very little sense. For those um, who aren't familiar with with Ottawa, sorry, it, it, sorry, it was the Historical Fencing Society. Oh, also the... not, also not a fan of uh, Jordan Peterson coming to Ottawa. The Historical Fencing Society. Okay, but it does include uh, the Council of Canadians, Horizon Ottawa, the Centre Town Community Health Centre, the mm-hmm. Ottawa Coalition to End Violence Against Women, mm-hmm. uh, and the Canadian Centre for Gender and Sexual Diversity, among others. Uh, it's not just the fencing organization but it they yes. they did jump off the page as it were okay okay so i get it you know the 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 comments that he has made have inspired agitation and uh this city has suffered some agitation recently and maybe this is not the best idea mm-hmm. um but do i think it's going to be remotely effective at cancelling him not in the least yeah not really no, no i th- i don't think he's really said anything that well, the crosses event is such also, a line yeah the, the event is at the canadian tire center which is that's that's where you saw meatloaf like it's a large it's a large venue if you're selling tickets enough to sell out a, a, a stadium essentially yeah it's an uh, arena or in a well i mean i don't know the difference i'm not a sportsman um, but uh, the you have enough you have enough people who are interested that uh, I don't think protest. I mean the the facility is just going to see dollar signs in their eyes. You know, like it's I don't know that that that's a large venue to try to cancel something. But also I don't know it's well the the know. citizen yeah. did point out um, that he had previously. Uh, there was efforts to cancel his speaking tour at the National Arts Centre, uh, which is mm-hmm. downtown. Um, apparently, that event sold out, and they had to have viewing rooms uh, as spillover spaces mm-hmm. uh, following that. So, I don't know. I, I think I think there's there's a sense that I think it's important that these organisations have rallied to raise concern about the impact that you know thoughtless speech can have on a larger community but also i think it's important to understand that he's you know shilling his book <laughs> it is one of the amazon 25 mm-hmm. top selling books um and there is a lot of people to whom he speaks uh that are going to be very keen to go and his tweets calling uh you know uh councillor mckinney former councillor mckinney immoral uh, is not mm. going to necessarily dissuade them I mean, let me put it this way if you are prepared to haul yourself all the way to the canadian tire center which for anyone that's been to ottawa is not remotely close to anything no. if you are committed enough yeah. to go there <laughs> Um, you know, uh, an angry petition and some offensive tweets are unlikely mm. to dissuade you from from going. Basic, realistically, it's out in the sort of uh, the part of town where uh, if you don't have a car, it's going to take you 45 minutes to do what you could do for five minutes in the car because it's just 
bad strodes and ocean of parking lot you're you're basically in a cornfield effectively yeah no if if you're going all the way out there you're dedicated you know or you live in canada but it's <laughs> or you live there <laughs> yeah or you live... <laughs> but yeah no it's uh the people who are going to this definitely want to go i mean there was what was it there was an event that you and i were looking at um oh it was eddie izzard was here in town and you and i were looking at eddie izzard and they're like oh but it's at the canadian tire center Oh, and the ticket prices and the two of us were just like, oh, that's just half an hour too far away and $20 too much. It was uh, like, and you and I are both big fans of Eddie Hazard and both of us just at the last minute were like, nah, nah, I'm not going to that. So, I mean, you, you really need passion to go out to the Canadian si Tire Center for sure. Absolutely. Do you remember that? No, yeah, no. There's been a few things where I'm like, oh my gosh, that's just like it's a my, it's like it's in a, it's in a different world. I it's mean, I think they, that's yeah. I think that's part of um, just completely unrelated. There's so much effort to get um, Ryan Reynolds to buy the Canadian Sands, yeah, who are based at the Canadian Tire Center because the National Capital Commission, which is the federal body that oversees federal properties in mm -hmm. Ottawa. They've essentially said, look, we've got a patch of land actually downtown. Actually downtown. Um, with nothing on it where you can build an arena. And, near light uh, rail. <laughs> near light rail, near <laughs> near people. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so the city of Ottawa is, you know, crossing its fingers, but we have a oh history of not God. being able to have nice things. So we... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That is uh, that is it. Do, do I think Pearson's going to be cancelled in when he visits Ottawa? Very, very unlikely. unlikely I yeah. think the biggest deterrent to going to go see Jordan Peterson is actually the location of the arena, more so than uh, anything that he has said. All yeah. right, we are going to jump to our first track. The track this is "Queen of Kings" by Alessandra Millet. Now, not Canadian. Mm -hmm. Norwegian. Yes. Okay. And the reason why I've chosen this random Norwegian is uh, some in our audience may recognize the track Queen of Kings because it went viral for being the sound used on a video of the Ukrainian Miss Universe entry. <laughs> okay. The, the, the entry for the Ukraine for Miss Universe. And it had this track behind it and it went viral. But Alessandra is uh, in the final for Norway's singing competition to choose who goes to Eurovision. Okay. So this, this is very Eurovision. Uh, it's gone viral before there even are a Eurovision entry. Like okay. this is early, early virility. Um, and we'll be back just Queen of the kings, broken her case through the keys. She will be the warrior for north and south of seas. Got raven hair, it's dark as night. Icy eyes, out of sight, out of sight. Her heart is bright, is warm and bright. Her smile awakes the northern light.
And welcome back to Cancre, home of Canada's queer medium. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. Now, I have been looking at uh, a new story that's picking up a bit of speed. And it is a bunch of activists based out of uh, both Canada and the Ukraine who are trying to get... Uh, they, they were trying to get Ukrainians, not Ukrainians, they're trying to get Canadians, here we go, get Canadians mm-hmm. to house um, Ukrainians who are fleeing the war, specifically where gay radio show. So it is Kiev Pride that has mm-hmm. launched the Friendly Homes Project. They launched it uh, in December. Um, and what it does is it's trying to connect uh, fleeing Ukrainians who are through Kiev uh, to Canadians who are able to accommodate them for at least four weeks. Now, it's such mm-hmm. a massive amount of travel and, and changing country and, and so on that any time less than four weeks is considered to be uh, not uh, not particularly... Uh, it's unsettling, you know, I mean, or rather it's not yeah, uh, yeah. conducive to settling, <laughs> you know, um, if it's less than four weeks. It's also... Weeks. Seven hours difference, I think. So, and it's one day per time zone you travel to get over jet lag. So, hmm. uh, on average, anyway. So, yeah, any, anything less than a week, you're not going to get much use out of uh, helping them to adjust, uh, just for biological reasons. Yeah, because I mean that people have to fly. So, I mean, I what adjust, I thought yeah. was really in- <laughs> yeah, what I thought was really interesting about this was. The fact that Kiev Pride seems to be much like um, everything else that we're seeing from from Ukraine is not as aspiration, but a um, concerted effort to try every possible avenue to mm. uh, to to make things uh, work and better and improved. Um, so yeah, on January fourth, they issued a press release in partnerships with the uh, Canadian We Support LGBTQ Ukraine Fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, they launched the initiative Friendly Homes for Ukrainian LGBT refugees. Bearing in mind, anyone can take an LG, uh, uh, an LGBT refugee, and anyone can take an Ukrainian refugee. Uh, Kiev's Pride said, and I quote: "We see Canada as a best option for many LGBTQ plus Ukrainians. It is a very progressive country with a large Ukrainian diaspora. We have many friends here. Kiev Pride was established a number of years ago to build a bridge between our countries and community. We need that bridge." now so so far even before this press release went out over a hundred lgbt ukrainians have applied for assistance to relocate to canada the canada ukraine emergency travel authorization through the government uh, does allow to make it a bit quicker um we've spoken a lot about the sponsored refugee program that canada has it is world leading in terms of uh, typically speaking, a group of, I think it's up to like eight to 12 people cobbled together. Uh, they work on finding an accommodation, finding pots, right. pans, spoons, cheese grater, you know, bedding, you know, Blanket, everything yeah. you need to uh, to start. And somebody works with them on, you know, going to the grocery store. Somebody works with them on finding a local job. And, you know, it's this sort of combined collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, we, we we talked about that a lot, but I think this one this one differs, and I think this speaks to the the urgency. The, the urgency. Thank yeah. you, uh, Sebastian. I was trying to find <laughs> the right word there. Um, they're essentially looking for people who participate to provide a minimum of four weeks temporary accommodations, uh, if they can help secure employment by offering a job or adapting their CV or resume for local jobs or becoming mm-hmm. a local connection, essentially helping them navigate that local transit system, uh, setting up a bank account, setting up a phone. Uh, I mean, there's a four hour, you know, mission right there to get a telephone. I mean, you know what I mean? Like that's, that, that's not yeah. something I would inflict on my worst enemy. Um, it's very much end to end. It's very much the Kiev has uh, these refugees uh, who are trying to flee the law, literally in a refuge that they maintain in Kiev. Like you know, they they are looking at them <laughs> in front of yeah, them, yeah, 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 and uh, they're desperately trying to get them to somewhere that is safer. Uh, as quickly as possible. And we have Canadians who have a spare room, who maybe have a small business and can maybe uh, employ somebody or um, are really good at understanding local transit and what have you. So they're trying to reach out to them directly. And I think what jumps out at me, Sebastian, is first of all, I like this idea. I, I really hope people take all the safety precautions that are needed on both sides. I think this is when you bring anybody new into a household, it's, uh, you know, it's a bit like when you're introducing new cats, you know what I mean? Like if anyone's ever had to introduce a cat to a a household, like there's a process. And and I feel it's the same way with like roommates and what have you. Like there is a, there's an acclimatization that needs to be done much like a cat. Yeah. Uh, They they Um, don't scratch the furniture usually, but yes. Not usually. No, no, you're right there. That does, that is one benefit of humans is that they're less likely to scratch furniture. Uh, but this differs from how other charities such as Rainbow Railroad have been working yes. and a lot of the other LGBT groups that pre-exist that do ring uh, refugee sponsorship where the process can take, you know, months and months and months, maybe verging on years as you build a team, as you cobble yep. together a, a strong network, as you... Uh, build up a sum of money that's sufficient to support them for three months mm-hmm. as you try and get a lead on some jobs so that when they arrive that there's a there's a path forward you know i think the system that's in place is really really well designed to give yes. people the best footing when they land but it's not it, very expeditious it's not very fast but part of that is also when you're when you're hosting a refugee, it's not like running an Airbnb. These are not just guests in your house. These are people fleeing from a war zone. Some of them will have trauma. Some of them will have fears. Some of them will be uh, anxious or they, who knows, you know, maybe they have severe agoraphobia and you can't even get them outside to get them onto a bus. Fleeing from a war zone is not good times. So part of the training of these longer term refugee programs is helping to make sure that the hosts know how to deal with um, the kind of erratic behavior that is totally normal and in its own way healthy when you're looking at somebody who's fleeing from a tragedy of some kind. So being 
too expeditious, you can run into some problems. Like I know that there was a bunch of refugees that ended up in the not in London because nobody lives in London, but in the London metropolitan area in England. And they were brought in and they're just sort of like, OK, you're in England now. Good job. And many of them had troubles finding work. Many of them had troubles finding like uh, uh, getting a car or navigating the transit system. And there was quite a few people who ended up going back to Ukraine because at least, you know, it, it was it was what they knew. So if you don't sort of welcome and host refugees in a very specific manner and granted, you're right, like a year or two is far too long. And you really need to split the difference. Just bringing them in and dumping them there, that's not going to do anything either. And I think, I don't know, there, there, there should be a little bit of training. How do you help them? How do you make sure that everything is well? But then also not, not speeding it up to the point where nobody knows what they're doing because it, 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 it's, it's a responsibility. You know, if you're hosting a refugee, it, they're not, like, as I said, it's not just an Airbnb. They're not just staying in your spare room. Yeah. They're, and they're not serious cats. care involved. Yeah. They yeah, are, they're not they cats. Are, yeah. Yeah. I mean I I'm 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 torn in two directions because I yeah. think that the 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 more robust framework being used in, in mm -hmm. other organizations to sponsor other LGBT refugees mm -hmm. um sets up everyone involved for more of a more success. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, missiles are landing yeah. just outside the door. You know, yeah. electricity is on and off. Sometimes yeah. the water isn't working. Mm -hmm. You know, it is it is beyond horrific, and the imminent danger is not uh, in a couple of days. It is it is present. Yes, and I think for those folks, you know, it's it's seen as dire. It's it is an escape at this mm -hmm. point, as opposed to a you know, an emigration. <laughs> it yeah, is, yeah. They are, they are fleeing for their lives um, quite literally. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I understand why there is such a sheer urgency to find yes. any and every possible solution to help address and support Ukrainian uh, LGBT refugees uh, to get out of the Ukraine. Um, and Canada has a mechanism in place to make it possible. So I don't know if anyone does have a spare room, obviously they are really interested. Keith Pride, the Friendly Homes Project, um, would be keen to to hear from you. But if you're looking for something maybe with a bit more structure, um, then the Rainbow Railroad has a sponsor and newcomer program um, as well. Interestingly, well the Rainbow Railroad, yeah. it is well structured. Yeah. They also refer to the CRA's um, charitable donation of an in-kind object or, or, or service um, okay. so that you can get charitable receipts for your, uh, uh, potentially, for your housing of uh, mm. of refugees. Um, I think it needs, there's a whole rigmarole. They don't make it easy to get charitable receipts, but, you know, nope. I thought that was interesting. Um, anyways, we'll be keeping an eye on it as we go. Now, we had a, another Christian story earlier that I happened to have missed, uh, but you reminded me in the break. Uh, the Church of England is... It's all over the map. Well, it's all over England, it's, but it's it's all over the the place when it comes to LGBT rights this week. Can you give us an update? Well, basically what we're seeing is the schism in motion. So the, the Church of England has been sort of 
schisming quite a bit on and off over the past, uh, ooh, I guess, 30 years now. Uh, and here we have two different stories that kind of indicate that the left hand and the right hand are not really talking to each other. So on the one hand, uh, you have uh, there was a, a, a formal letter that was released by the church's bishops uh, coming out of uh, coming out of Canterbury, apologizing for the way that the institution had uh, treated LGBT folks in the past. I do not know to what time frame they're going. Are they going all the way back to Henry VIII? Who knows? But they're basically saying, you know, we have not treated you in the manner that is befitting a church that is supposed to be doing good for the community. Um, and on the other hand, there are uh, no plans whatsoever, uh, officially, at least in Canterbury, to permit uh, the marriage of same-sex couples within the church. Now, I say in Canterbury because uh, different dioceses around the world, so like Canada has its own Church of England and they do allow same-sex marriages, but that's we have our own bishops that do our own thing. Uh, but yeah, in England, um, on the one hand, we apologize for the treatment, historical treatment of the LGBT community and those who who identify there as, and also, uh, you can't get married here. So it's um, I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's kind of a step forward, a step back. Um, thankfully, civil marriages still exist, so it's not too well, steps back. The, the same sex marriage is legal in England and Wales since yeah. twenty thirteen. So yeah. it, you know that has been there. Yeah. But the the issue here is the church teachings themselves. Mm -hmm. So they are looking at recommendations following, uh, they've had five years to um, an hour about this, uh, and they're looking at whether or not to change the teaching for their priests to be able to marry same-sex couples. And essentially mm -hmm. they've decided the answer is no. <laughs> after, their, after their five years of consultation, mm -hmm. um, the answer is no. However, they have confirmed that prayers of dedication, thanksgiving, all for God's blessing on same-sex couples uh, will be allowed for civil marriages or partnerships. Oh. So there's a bit of a, you know, it's it, it's a, a bit of a workaround. You know, they're not going to marry anybody, but if you get married anywhere else and then come on in, we'll give you God's blessing. So, I mean, it's it's a contortion to a degree, but that seems okay. to be where they've uh, where they've landed, as it were. No, okay, wait. So let me get this straight. If you have uh, an aunt with a farm and you decide to go out to your aunt's farm and have a garden wedding, uh, and and how do you get to the? How do you get to your aunt's farm? In a car. <laughs> in a car. <laughs> <laughs> He's making fun of my accent. Anyway, um. Uh, and once you're once you're there, you, you got to get somebody to officiate the wedding. Can a minister or priest? What is they're priests? Yeah, priest from the Church of England come to your garden wedding and officiate there? Like, do they have the right to make their own mind up? So long as it's not well, located in the church. My understanding is the teaching is that they will not be able to. Uh, conduct a mm. same-sex marriage. I think the location is almost irrelevant. But okay. I think at that point, if you got your uncle Fred, who got you know uh, did the paperwork online and is now able to officiate mm -hmm. um, at your wedding, and then you went into the church, the priest there could be like, "Yeah, no, great job on your wedding. Here's God's <laughs> blessing." Yeah, um, okay. I, I assume it goes somewhere along those lines. But um, this is. 
It's definitely a workaround, but to be honest, we've referred to this a few times as a schism. It is definitely a subject yeah. matter that has been tearing at the Church of England, um, which has, you know, uh, satellite churches all over the world. Oh, yeah. Um, in particular, the large um, African delegations. Mm-hmm. And they've been struggling with this for a long time. And I, I suspect that this workaround of, you know, go get your marriage done at City Hall and then come over here and we'll give you God's blessing mm-hmm. is sadly a, probably as good as it's going to get for um, Protestants in Britain at the Church of England. And there's always going to be renegade priests who just go to that garden marriage and officiate anyway. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, now, I did promise our listeners to keep an eye out and see if Britain uh, collapsed following the uh, the decision by the British government to block the gender recognition certificates from Scotland. What's really interesting is the number of people all over the place that have chimed in. And one of them was a former Lord Chancellor. Uh, and a minister of justice under Labour. And he essentially said, look, the reason why they've triggered this first time ever used in 50-odd years Mm -hmm. piece of legislation is because of the administrative burden on having two separate systems. And he's like, it just doesn't hold any water. Frankly, it does not hold water. You know, we mentioned last year, uh, last week, the number of countries that already have this system in place. I think it's like Norway, New Zealand, uh, and a couple of other places. And they said, if you look at the rate of incidence of people requesting these certificates, Mm -hmm. the equivalent in Scotland would be about 550. A year? Yeah. So the claim that the British government can't possibly handle 550 applications, mm-hmm. frankly, like I said, doesn't hold water. You know, And that, I think, is the issue here, is they're saying, oh, it's an administrative burden, but that's not a very strong leg to stand on. Anyway, the Scottish government is taking the British government to court over this piece of legislation, uh, effectively blocking Scotland's introduction of gender recognition certificates. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see what happens with that legal case. I mean, you know, there's a lot of jokes to be made about the civil service in in Britain. Because like, oh, yeah, Monty Python made a lot of jokes about it. Brazil, famously, Brazil, the movie, not the country, made a big deal out of bureaucracies. Um, I applied for a passport back in August. I still haven't gotten it yet. So, I mean, 550 people, five people could overwhelm the system, depending on who's in charge of that particular department. But I, I do get your point. Yeah, I was just. There's jokes that have to be made about the British civil service. Absolutely. You just can't not. (laughs) Okay. We're going to jump to our next track. This is Keep It Simple featuring Mika by Vianney. And we will be back just after this. So cold, comfort, come for me It's 3 a.m. on feverly Help me die to heal my pain Cause I don't really want no Mary Jane Oh la la la, et si le problème était moi Si j'ai mal, c'est du mal à parler Oh 
si le dire est un problème, finir seul, faut pas s'étonner. We'll keep it simple. Ooh, doctor. Ooh, we'll keep it simple. Emmurer nos émotions Parfois ma foi les gens le font À la fin au fond tout ça fait Qu'on a mal on a l'âme en chantier Welcome back to Cancre, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. Now, now let me the... start. Yeah, okay. go ahead. No, I was just going to say, during the break, you, you you said that you had something that you wanted to tell me on air to get my, my honest reaction. And I'm yeah. like, honest this. reaction. Yeah. 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 So in Algeria, mm -hmm. there was a uh, some footage that went viral uh, late last month, the start of this month. Mm -hmm. where police were, two uniformed police were uh, talking to a group of people about multicolored images. Uh, in particular, they were handing out pamphlets. These are police officers handing out pamphlets, mm -hmm. defining the difference between a rainbow and a gay rainbow. Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, famously, uh, Roy G. Biv, um, which is red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, which I think is the actual rainbow. Um, mm. And then I think the the pride rainbow has one less colors. And I think it's indigo. Do we have indigo in the gay pride cup uh, rainbow? Uh, first of all, fewer. And secondly, no. It's, yeah, it goes blue and then purple. Yeah. Okay, well, in that case, I think it is also less because it was not good enough <laughs> it is also a lesser color um anyway but the, the reason well why there's also it, not all the intermediate colors so like cyan does not show up in the gay rainbow yeah weirdly magenta was a very popular color to you know in, in straw poles to go in but actually um eggplant was would probably be the shade of purple 
if the gay community was to choose a specific shade, aubergine, it would be aubergine. Yeah, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. All right. No, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because Algeria is attempting to ban the rainbow, specifically right. the gay rainbow. So if you are lacking a cyan or an indigo, um, then you could run afoul of Algerian authorities. Okay. Uh, so a couple of years ago, they arrested 40 of people for attending what they claim to be a gay wedding. Um, homosexuality is broadly illegal in Algeria. Mm-hmm. Um Weirdly, not very high on uh, LGBT people's travel plans. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, if you're straight and going through Algeria, uh, make sure you hide all your rainbow swag, um, because apparently that's causing uh, some some consternation in uh, in the African uh, country. Hmm. But it's, I mean, it's a predominantly Muslim country, and you know they share the old testament and surely they they also acknowledge that uh the rainbow is god's testament that he's not going to flood us all out again i mean that's that's also there so surely you should be able to put rainbows everywhere to be like hey thank you for not flooding us out again you know that that but uh i guess it's a different rainbow and you know rainbows also show up in a lot of places there's a lot of organizations that use a rainbow uh in their logo the old uh, uh macintosh logo was an apple that was colored rainbow you know, would, would would that be allowed in the country? Old Apple products um, or new Apple products? I don't know. I feel like uh, I, I feel like this is something that could be pushed. Uh, a very serious topic, by the way, that could be pushed in, in comedic directions, depending on mm-hmm. if if you're so inclined, like are Skittles permitted in Algeria? Or is that no, uh, weirdly the uh, the the grayed out pro pride skittles may be permitted hmm. <laughs> because they don't have any rainbow. No, I the, would have said uh, that skittles are permitted because they're all jumbled up. They're not in order. They're not in order. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. apparently the National Gendarme Command, uh, as well as I think members of the uh, the, the the trade enforcement uh, folks in in Algeria have been Mm -hmm. cracking down on it. Um, They've asked consumers to boycott any item that carries a logo or colors of highlighted flags. It's not just pride flags. It is the asexual flag, the, the new progress flag. um, There's just, it's, it's a hodgepodge. They have, they've got pictures of colored paper in, Mm -hmm. in the wrong order. Um, I mean, it is, it's just manic when you're trying mm-hmm. to police rainbow colored books and paper and pens and, you know, heaven forbid, a, a post-it note that's got a rainbow on it. It's mm-hmm. just, it's ridiculous. It, and I think that it, Algeria was certainly laughed at by their efforts to ban ban rainbow products. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know what you're going to accomplish by that. It's a uh... grayscale. Yeah, well, rainbows rainbows aren't a very successful dog whistle in the grand scheme of things because everybody knows what they mean now. So I don't know, you know, back in the 80s, maybe, but it's it's just it's bizarre. Yeah, it's it's a step too far in a direction that makes no sense. I don't know what they're going to accomplish by this. Well, they must they're going to save on ink. In- they, they will save money. There must have been people in Algeria <laughs> who were like, "There's just too many rainbows uh, in 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 mm. you know these these shopping stores." So 
Um, yeah, uh, I wanted to end on a piece of not good news, but I think it's important. And that is mm -hmm. that Johnson & Johnson has cancelled uh, or discontinued its Mosaico study or, or the HPX3002 slash HVNTN706 for those who have been monitoring uh, HIV vaccine studies. <laughs> they will obviously know uh, the HPX3002 uh -huh. study. Uh, it stands out. Um, but most notably, this study was essentially an experimental vaccine regimen to prevent mm -hmm. infections in North America, Latin okay. America, and Europe. So it was um, to stop the spread, uh, quite essentially. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that uh, underlines the continued uh, spread of HIV in Canada and elsewhere is people who are transmitting without knowing they have HIV. Uh, in Canada, right. not knowing is not uh, an excuse in the law. You have an obligation mm -hmm. to know. Um, mm -hmm. But people still don't get tested and go about. And unfortunately, when they have HIV and they don't get tested, it leads to new infections. Um, mm -hmm. But this vaccine regimen would have prevented it. So if you were on this in theory, uh, you had uh, fun times with people you don't know. Um, it would prevent uh, the further spread of HIV. But it didn't work. Mm. So they are back to the drawing board. That's a real pity, especially since we have a completely and totally new technology thanks to COVID. Uh, although we should say that the technology of the COVID vaccine is about 10 years old, 15 years old. It was just, uh, it had limited testing before then. So the, the mechanism of the COVID vaccine is not a traditional COVID, uh, not a traditional vaccine. It's really more like a gene therapy. And that's what you kind of need with something like HIV because HIV attacks the immune system itself. So instead of doing the usual thing where you put like a denatured virus and then your body learns how to recognize it, you could actually directly teach your immune system how to attack something with messenger RNA. Um, and that, that would be a fantastic method. Um, but uh, it's just gene therapies are in general still pretty new and experimental even highly successful gene therapies don't have a hundred percent success rate it's kind of i don't know it's it's interesting i think there's a lot of potential i remember actually two years ago when uh the covid vaccines first started rolling out there's a lot of talk in the hiv research circles about how we could use this technology it just takes wild uh time to develop so i think it's more likely to happen in our lifetimes now. If you'd asked me three mm -hmm. years ago, I would have been on the fence. Now I would say, yeah, we're probably going to see something that it's at least pretty effective, if not foolproof, sometime in our lifetime. Well, the uh, they shelved the study because the Independent Data and Safety Monitoring Board uh, essentially found that it was not effective in preventing HIV infection mm. compared to the placebo. Simply didn't work. But didn't work, what right. they've what the writers at the Pink News have found was that there is uh, initial work being done now on injectable prep. Uh, for those who don't know what that is, that's not meal planning for the week. That is mm -hmm. pre-exposure prophylactics. Mm -hmm. And essentially, it is a, a HIV medication that you take before you have HIV, um, and it makes it uh, significantly more difficult for HIV to take hold. And of course, once you have HIV, it, it replicates and is very difficult to get rid of. 
Um, so it is a preventative mm-hmm. measure. But injectable prep, the goal is to have it so that it's injectable once or twice a year. Think of it like the flu mm-hmm. shot. Can you imagine a world where you could fight off HIV with the equivalent of the flu shot? I yeah, think that yeah. would be a it would be a significant game changer for at-risk communities to be able to have that in place. Never mind at-risk communities. If you can find a vaccine that has zero side effects or side effects in the one in a million range um and is pretty easy to mass produce you could just lump it in with the other vaccines like you're you're how old now you're 12 throw it in with the measles mump rubella uh vaccine like just vaccinate vaccinate everyone like it could be made extinct if it's shown to be because you know there are real vaccines out there that that do have occasional side effects and like if you're not in a high-risk area it's not worth the risk don't don't worry about it um, but things like measles, mump, rubella, completely harmless. Mm-hmm. There, there's no side effects whatsoever. If we can get to that level, that degree with an HIV vaccine, never mind. Just vaccinate everyone. Go for it. Give it to every 12 year old. Well, we will be keeping an eye out at, uh, the news as it develops. You know, sometimes, uh, great things don't happen. Um, but we will always maintain hope for a HIV vaccine. Mm-hmm. All right, that's it for this week. We have run out of time. We're playing out with Bells Larson's Double Aquarius. Uh, I have been Luke Smith. And I have been Sebastian. And thank you for listening. Is Mercury in retrograde or am I just feeling blue? I'm looking for some sort of explanation for why I can't seem to get out of bed, enjoy the sunlight, I fight with my thoughts until midnight, yet I have a nerve to tell you that I'm alright.